all-knowing, all-powerful, creator of everything that is. What a privilege. What an honor it is for us to come before you this morning to worship you. We know, Lord, that our desire to be here this morning is also of you. Every person here this day, every person online who is listening, and, and we're thankful, Father, for those who can join us online. Once again, we're thankful, dear Lord. Every one of us, every one of us who know you know, Lord, that all that we have, all that our desires are now are because of you. We remember what our desires were before. And it wasn't to worship the true and living God, that's for sure. But now, Lord, we come here this day to hear your word preached, to sing songs that glorify our Savior. And we're thankful, Lord. We're thankful for your love for us. We love you because you first loved us. Bless us now, Lord, for your Son's sake, whom all blessings flow. Bless us as we sing the hymns that give glory to your name. Bless me, Lord, as I read your word this morning in our scripture reading without comment. And Father, I ask for your blessings upon me as I stand before your children once one more time. What an honor. What an honor to bring your word to feed your sheep to possibly call out one who has never heard your word before by preaching the truth of our Savior Christ Jesus and Him crucified. What, a, what an honor to bring the gospel to needy sinners. Father, be with me as I stand before your children. I'm, I'm just a, a voice in the wilderness crying, into the, crying about the one who will come, who will come with power and save his children. Be with me, Lord, and give me the, the utterance to speak truth. And Father, I ask that you would be with those who hear. Be with your sheep. Open the ears to hear the truths of your word. Open the heart to receive the instruction that you have for us. We ask these things in our Savior's name, the name that we lift up above all names, Christ Jesus. Amen. Turn over, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 3. I'd like to bring before you this morning a, a message of consideration. Consider these things. Consider the reasons for the cross is the title of my message. In Hebrews 12.3, we read these words, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Consider him. You know, we talk about uh, at the cross. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. Yeah, piece of wood. I'm so thankful. Are you, aren't you also that that piece of wood the Lord hung on, that piece of wood, that, that wood that Noah was put in, when the Lord closed the door up and flooded the earth, aren't you thankful that that wood is no longer around? Because we know, don't we, 
that if it was around and it wasn't for it, and if the Lord would left us to ourselves, we would be taking that wood and worshiping it. I mean, people take a piece of toast that looks like Jesus, they say, the long-haired hippie, and they worship it. Blows me away. I'd be right there with them. But for the grace of God, and I know that's not a scriptural quoting, that's uh, a hymn, not hymn writer's quoting, but it's true. But for the grace of God, I'd go right. I'd be right there with them. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. The word consider means to estimate, or it means figuratively to contemplate, to, to revel in. Consider. Think upon. Here in 1 Peter, we see a five-point verse that I pray brings our minds to consider this one, to consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Would you read with me verse 18 of 1 Peter chapter 3? For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Now, I'd like you to put a little marker there in, the, in your Bibles because we're going to go and look at some other scriptures, a, a couple of other verses. But I want, to be, I want you to be able to come back to that verse. I want you to consider five things that we can see in this verse, five reasons for the cross. And the first consideration is this part of that verse. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. Now the key to this statement is once. You know, in the old days before the Lord walked this earth, before he fulfilled the scriptures concerning himself as being the priest, the high priest, there were high priests appointed to the people of Israel, to, people, to the God's people. And they were to take the sacrifices of the people and once a year they were to go into the holiest of holies in the temple and lay that sacrifice, lay that blood on the mercy seat. Christ Jesus is the one who suffered as the sacrifice. Christ Jesus is the holiest of holies. Everything about him is holy. Christ Jesus is the mercy seat. All blessings in heaven flow through him. Our first consideration is that for Christ also hath once suffered for sins. The key to the statement once is once. Why? Because he's omnipotent. Do you know what that word means? That means he's all powerful. He's sovereign in everything. In Revelations 19.6, we read these words, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. He reigns over everything. All power in heaven and earth and under the earth are His to wield according to His purpose. He's all-powerful. He's all-able. What He desires, what He purposes, it shall be so. 
No ifs, no ands, no buts. When the Lord suffered and died on that cruel cross, He accomplished His, his desire. He said, it is finished. Our redemption, our sanctification, our justification, it is finished in Him. Everything our God requires of us is provided by our Savior. Everything. I'm not inviting you down here to the altar. The altar is Him. Amen. This is nothing but a piece of wood. This is nothing but hand, what hands have, have made. You can only come to the only altar that is the, where the mercy seat is, and that's our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Consider this. Consider He came once that's all that was needed. He's God. Do you hear that from other religious people? No. They, oh yeah, he did something. But you got to do this. I'm trying to fill the law. Mike and I were talking about that. Of the uh, so-called Seventh-day Adventists. Trying to fulfill the law and they don't even know it. Oh, how dark. How dark their light is. Isn't that what self-righteousness is? People go around thinking, oh, I'm not as bad as the person as I used to be. Oh, yes, you are. That's right. I literally thought I wasn't such a bad person one time, but I know who I am now. I know who I am before a thrice holy God, and that is nothing more than a worm. And when you're a worm, when you see yourself for what you truly are, oh, how thankful. Oh, the wonders of crying out, hallelujah, what a Savior, when you know that, you're, that He loves you. And gave Himself for you. Oh, to, to know the omnipotent God to know that when the Lord suffered and died on that cross, He accomplished His desire. Well, what was His desire? In 1 Timothy 1.15, we read it this way. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to what? Amen. Number one, right here in front of you, to save sinners. And then Paul goes on after that. Paul, a man who knew the scriptures from back to front, who had letters from the high priest to go out and persecute the church. Those very things that he considered to be done, he writes and he says, of who I am chief. In Mark chapter 9, verse 31, our Lord tells us, not just once, but he says it a couple of times, once in Matthew and twice in Mark, I believe. He says, for he taught his disciples and saith unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. The idea that God would purposefully expose himself to death is beyond anything that I can comprehend. Aren't you thankful we can see it a little bit though? Aren't you thankful we can look and see a little bit of hope? Hope that's in Him. Hope that we might be His. That He might have done that for me. 
Oh, oh, dear Lord, that I would be yours. It is beyond my comprehension. But that's exactly what our Lord did. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 23, we read this Him, speaking of our Lord and Savior, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. He was delivered by His own purpose. By His own determinate purpose. You know, that means that Christ came to this earth and became flesh willingly. Knowing what He would suffer. Knowing that He would suffer the very ones that He put in the womb of their mother would spit upon Him, would lash Him with a cat of nine tails, would nail nails through the palms of His hand and His feet, and then drop that cross into the ground. Oh, and then let him sit there and bleed to death. Knowing that all that was going to happen. Knowing that our Lord would suffer a physical death. Knowing that sin would be laid upon him. Our sin. Our sins would be laid upon him. He knew it. And he knew that that would be his purpose. And he knew the end result of it would be glory and, 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 and uh, bliss from heaven and heaven forever to be with his people. He was delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Ye men have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Our Lord suffered once for our sins because He's God. And as God, the blood that was shed on that cross was perfect in every way and satisfied the justice of God. In Ephesians 1.11 we read these words, it says, In whom, in Christ, also we have obtained. That means it's ours. It's done. Obtained. An inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Blood had to be shed, for there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. The penalty of sin is death. And unlike the blood of goats and calves that were sprinkled on the seed of mercy for the sins of people in the days of old, our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, once with his own blood, went into the holiest of holies and, sh- and spread it on the mercy seat and accomplished his purpose. Look over at Isaiah. Mark, mark your spot there, Peter. Turn over to Isaiah 53. Very familiar words. Isaiah 53, verse 3. He is despised. And rejected of men. A man of sorrows. And acquainted with grief. And we hid it. And we hid as it were. Our faces from him. Those of us who he has loved. From before the beginning of the world. 
we hid our faces from him. Yet though we were dead in trespasses and sin, though we were sinful by our nature, our Lord still came out of love and gave himself for us. Even though John was shaking his hand, I will not have that man to rule over me. He came in the day of his love, just as he does to every one of his children. And in the day of his love, he cuts that old stony heart out and he gives a new heart. A new heart that says, Lord, you're Lord. You're God Almighty. You're omnipotent creator of all things. You are my Lord. We hid our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. He suffered once, back in our text. He suffered once. He suffered once for sins. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5. Allow me to read for you these three different verses. For as the sufferings of Christ abound endeth, so our consolation also aboundeth in Christ. Philippians 3.10, we read these words, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. And then again in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13, we read these words, but rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Next we see in our verse, in our text back in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, we see this, the just for the unjust. Folks, Christ knew no sin. You don't get any more just than Christ. But that means that as He sacrificed Himself, the just, why? Remember, that's the, that's the title of this message. Consider, consider the things, uh, uh, what was that again? Can't even remember my own title there. Consider the reasons for the cross. The reason for the cross was that the just had to pay the price in full for those who couldn't. Everything our God demands of, of His people, He provides. You know that Lot was called just Lot in Hebrews? You know why? He's just in Christ. There's nothing about Lot in the flesh that made him just. There's nothing of any of us in the flesh that make us just. There is everything in Christ that is needed for us to be just. Justified. Christ knew no sin. He never sinned. Everything our Lord did pleased the Father. He was just. He's perfect. He's sinless. Yet He was made to be sin. Whose sin? If it wasn't his, whose was it? It was ours. Our sins were imputed to him. 
It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For He hath made Him, God hath made Him His Son, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That's how we're just. That's how we're justified in our Savior. Sin cannot be set aside. It cannot be swept under the rug. It must be dealt with. And Christ dealt with our sin taking our sins as his own, though he had sinned not. It's called substitution. It's called grace. It's called mercy. Scripture talks about a scapegoat in the Old Testament. Our Lord Jesus Christ is our scapegoat. The just gave himself a sacrifice for me, the unjust, that he might bring us to God. That's my next point. If he had not done this, I could not be in the presence of God. If he had not made me just before God, God could not look upon me. He could not look upon you. We are sin from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. Everything we think is filled with sin. You think you're doing something good? Do you know that everything you do that is good is still tainted with sin because it's done in the flesh? The only person that does anything good is our Savior. Why? Why did the just give himself as a sacrifice for the unjust? that he might bring us to God. There's only one way between man and God. Matthew 7:13 it says this, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go therein, thereat. There's only one way to God, and this is stated very clearly in John chapter 14:6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can't mix that with but by him and something you have done. You can't mix that with, well, I made a decision to follow him. You can't, make a, you can't mix that with, well, my will, I'll come to him when I'm ready. I'll get baptized. I'll come to the table of remembrance. I'll come to church on Sunday. You can't mix that with anything. I am the way, says our Lord, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Sin has separated mankind from our Creator. He cannot look upon it. The only way God is, only way to God is by His Son, by His substitutionary death. He has reconciled His elect, His chosen, His people unto Himself. In Isaiah 40, verse 1, we read this, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, say your God. Well, what comfort is there for a sinner? What comfort is there for one who has nothing to offer God? Here's some comfort. Christ inspired Jeremiah to write these words in 24 verse 7 and I will give them at heart to know me Lord could you give me a heart Lord would you give me a heart to know you don't leave me to myself oh Lord 
He says, I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord. And they shall be my people. And I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. First commandment. Love God with your whole heart. Again, Jeremiah writes in verse 31, chapter 31, verse 33. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law into their inward parts and write it on their hearts, in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. And he says that again in verse 32, chapter 32, verse 38, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. There's only one way to God, and that is through the perfect Lamb of God. And that brings me to my next point of consideration as we read here in our, our text, being put to death in the flesh. Put to death in the flesh. It says in 1 Timothy 3.16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Why? Why would God lower himself to walk in the flesh on this earth? Because God and the Spirit cannot die. Folks, our spirit, the spirit that dwells within, shall never die. When we go through that mark, door marked death, when, the, when the, the body of death is finally put away, there's only two places that the spirit will go. Either one into damnation, into the hell pit of fire, or one into the bliss of heaven to be in the presence of God forever, for eternity. Why did God become flesh? Because there was no other way. He couldn't just turn away and say, okay, it's done. Blood had to be shed. Christ had to go to that cross. We're considering these things of the cross. Christ had to go to that cross and pay the price for us. He had to take those sins upon himself as they were his, as though they were his, and make that payment to make the satisfaction to God for you and I for an eternity. Those who go through that door marked death without Christ will spend an eternity and never, ever satisfy the wrath of God, the justice of God. Only the perfect Lamb of God could do that. God and the Spirit cannot die. Sin demands death. And God had to become flesh that He might conquer death for us. And that's what He did. That's what we read in Romans 8 verse 36. As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We've conquered death, Polly Mary. Not you and I personally, but God for us in, the son, in His Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. And that door is just around the corner for us, isn't it? Could be this afternoon. Could be this afternoon. Paul goes on to declare in verse 38, he says, For I'm persuaded. How? Why? Why is he persuaded? Because it was God's blood that was shed on the cross for him. 
It was the death of God in his place that gave him the confidence, the assurance. He says, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things to present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ Jesus, what he is saying, what Paul is saying is because it was God in the flesh that died for me, I am assured of life in him. Christ Jesus is my assurance. I have no confidence in this flesh. I told you a moment ago that there was a time when I thought I was a pretty okay guy. I hadn't killed anybody. But my God has woken me up and given me eyes to see that everything that is about this flesh that stands before you is worthless. It'll return to dust as it should. The only reason my spirit will go to heaven is because of what my Savior has done. Because of the death that he took upon himself. Can you get your can we get our minds wrapped around that fact? God died for us that we would not die? Wow. Oh, how I would love to be a to love someone like that. I love my wife as best as I can. I love my children as best as I can. But Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Can we comprehend that? Can we lay that to heart? Without the death of our Savior, our sins would be ours to answer for in the day of judgment. And that brings me to my last point to consider this morning, but quickened by the Spirit. Look at that last part of our text there in verse 18. Let me read the whole thing again. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. One time. The just. Our Lord is just in all that He did. For the unjust, me. That He might bring us, all of those that God gave Him before the world was, bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh for you and I, but quickened Quickened by the Spirit. Turn over to the 41st Psalm, if you would. Psalms number 41. In the 41st Psalm, in verses 5, beginning at verse 5, we read these words, Mine enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die and his name perish? This is talking about our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus when He went to the cross. Mine enemies speak evil of me. When shall He die and His name perish? And if He come to see me, He speaketh vanity. His heart gathereth iniquity to Himself. When He groweth abroad, He telleth it. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. An evil disease saith they cleaveth fast unto him, and now that he lieth, he shall rise up no more. 
Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me, and raise me up, that I may requit, repay them. By this I know that thou favorest me, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. And as for me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity, and settest me before thy face forever. Blessed be the Lord of God, the Lord God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. The word quicken means to be made alive, to be resurrected. Look over at Matthew's. I'll read Matthew's. Turn to Acts chapter 2. In Matthew 17, while you're turning to Acts, we read these words in verse 23. And they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. Oh, death could not hold our Lord. Look over with me, if you would, at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And consider the reasons the Lord of glory had to go to the cross. For the people of God to be present with Him for eternity, our sin had to be put away. The death of His cross did exactly that. When He died, we died in Him. Christ Jesus, our Redeemer, redeemed us unto God the Father and the proof of that payment that it was adequate that the payment was sufficient was the resurrection from the death of our Savior. God accepted the sacrifice of the spotless Lamb of God. That's what all those sacrifices the high priest in the old days meant. That's what they all pictured was this very one sacrifice where our Lord laid down His life once and paid the sins of all His people. He's God accepted His Son, the spotless Lamb of God, and He lives today. Death could not hold Him. Are you in Acts chapter 2? Look with me beginning at verse 22. And ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by Him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Verse 28, Thou hast made known to me the ways of life that shall make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you 
of the patriarch David that he is both dead and buried and his sepulcher is with us today. They thought maybe that they were talking about David, but this is not David at all. This is the Lord Jesus that they were talking about. He says, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David that he is both dead and buried and his sepulcher is with us today. Therefore, being a prophet, verse 30, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Our Lord knew his father would not leave him in that grave. He knew that the death of his son would be satisfying and, his Lord, and God would raise him up to sit on his throne. Verse 31. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ. That's David. That his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which ye know, which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended to the heavens, but he saith to himself, The Lord saith unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thee, make thy foes thy footstool. <clears throat> Therefore let all the house of Israel know surely that God had made this same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Close with me, if you would, over in Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. Beginning at verse 19, and we'll read through to verse 10 of chapter 8. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope. I can't fulfill the law in this flesh, but I have a hope in the one who did. A better hope, by the which we draw nigh unto God. And insomuch as not without an oath he was made a priest. He was made priest. Not a priest, priest. For those priests, speaking of the ones of old, were made without an oath. But this, with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests, because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became, became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins, and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. 
For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the Son who is consecrated forever, forevermore. Now, verse 8, chapter 8, verse 1. Now of the things which, have, which we have spoken, this is the sum. All that, that we just read, Paul sums up in these words of Hebrews, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man, for every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices where it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For he, for if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve under the example and the shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern short of thee in the mount. But now that he hath obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon a better promises, for if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the day is come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to that which I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind, I will write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. Why did the Lord of glory have to go to the cross? Because of his love for all of those that the Father hath given him. Because Christ Jesus is God in the flesh, he shall lose none. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. Amen.